beefaroni. It's gross. Rewatch the podcast where we rewatch movies from our youth and decide if they're still good. This is Samantha Wilson, <laughs> joined also by special guests. Always guests. Special guests? Yeah, you're, we're all special. Special always guests. Yeah. It's, uh, That's the yeah. part where you say your name, Brett. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I was trying. I was trying. I was gonna try and do an Irish accent. Oh no! No! Oh, no! No! I'm a, I'm a leprechaun. Oh fuck! No. Okay, that's nope. Brett. Ruined. <laughs> He's dead to me now. I'm Ash. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Patrick. Oh, hey, that's dear. better. At least, at least that's a better one. Um. Yeah, and if if you, obviously if you haven't picked up what we're putting down, we are recording on. My day! St. Patrick. Oh, yeah, it is your day. St. Patrick's Day. Happy. Um, Just like how Ash Wednesday was my day. That's not a great day. Yeah, I feel like I win. No, I was going to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days is significantly I'm rebranding it. I'm taking it back. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, for St. Patrick's Day, we are watching The Boondock Saints, which I love this movie unashamedly. Uh, it, it was uh, released in 1999, guys, so exactly, I guess, 10 years old. Wow. Wait, 10, 20 years old. Oh, yeah. I did not expect that when you said that you loved it. I mean, secretly, I'm a white bro from <laughs> Boston. so <laughs> bro-y. Uh, do you guys, real quick, before we jump into the movie, can I give a 30-second anecdote about St. Patrick's Day that uh, gives a really yes. great insight into me as a person? Always. It's your day. So you can do it. I grew, I grew up, I was born and I grew up in and around Chicago, like, you know, in the city, the suburbs. and um, Chicago. So, Chicago, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know. It came out uh, there. Geez, geez, uh, yeah, it's 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 in there a little bit. I got I got yeah. Um it's <laughs> it, it comes out from time to time. But uh so it, those of you who don't know, you know, there's St. Patrick's Day is a big deal in Chicago. Like they a turn lot of the major river cities. Green. Exactly. They turn the river green. You stole his anecdote. That was no, not no, the no. anecdote. <laughs> Everyone knows that, but it, it, this is it's yeah. specifically about that. So they have a parade. There's always these big parties. They turn the river green. They do, you know, on the local news, they do these telecasts and everything. Um, little like five, six year old me thought it was for me. Oh, <laughs> it adorable. was Patrick. It, it was. is for you. <laughs> what a self absorbed little asshole. <laughs> No. When did you become a saint? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently at six years old. God. Yeah. Yeah. We're St. Brett's Day. I don't fucking see that on the calendar. Your name is like everywhere. Aw. That is an adorable. Well, that's adorable. I mean, also, if you want to talk about how Catholic I was raised, I was my baptism was delayed mm. like a few weeks so it could be on St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Wow. Well, that adds yeah. to the mm-hmm. sort of yeah. mysticness of St. Patrick's Day being your day. <laughs> mm-hmm. You expelled but, Satan on this day decades yeah. ago. <laughs> I think that's what happens. I'm not very religious, so I don't really the know. Yeah. Baptisms the and exorcisms sure. are exactly the same. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Your head turns around in a circle, you vomit a little bit, and then everybody eats cake. Okay, so That's why so the river's green. You promise your body to Christ. Is that, is that where I get? Yeah. This Sounds is worse. getting better and better. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, 
your background will fit right in with the Boondock Saints then, Patrick. I'm surprised you don't love the Boondock Saints. Oh, no, I didn't say I didn't. I'm saying because oh, okay. because I was a very stereotypical uh, like college bro when this <laughs> – I feel like this movie – I remember what's, what's funny is this is one of those movies that I don't remember at all when it came out. Well, I will get into why you don't – you don't remember. There is a story but here. It's one of those things that I don't know, like got really popular in the DVD market while I was in college mm-hmm, and yeah. everyone was mm-hmm. watched it a ton and like a ton of times. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I also, there was a period where I watched it almost like every other week. There's a, a lot this, the story behind this film, it is so interesting and there's so many twists and turns, but the DVD release was what brought it into the cult following that it has today. So that's, that's very uh, true to life for everyone's experience, probably for this film. I would be shocked that many people saw it. I mean, it did release in theaters, but if you saw it in theaters, you were the select few for sure. Um, so it grossed, uh, the, well, the budget was 7 million on this film, which is tiny, even for the time period, very small budget. How? (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an indie film. Uh, it grossed 50 million domestic in sales and most of that was DVD sales. Okay. I thought you were about to say Um, the box office. (laughs) No, I couldn't even find that information. That's how limited. Always a good sign. Always a good Uh, sign. Um, so our director here is Troy Duffy, which you probably only know from this film because <laughs> guess what? He's only done this one, the sequel to this one, and apparently he wrote some Night Rider short, but huh. I it doesn't look like it was really widely released or anything. Um, but we will get back to Troy in a second. First, let's talk about the actors in this because Guys, there's some pretty great actors in this one, though there's only a few because most of the other ones were pretty no-name and are still pretty no-name, um, obvious from the budget. But we do have Norman Reedus here, which, of course, everyone knows from The Walking Dead now. But also, did you guys know he's in Blade 2? Huh. Yes. Interesting, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He huh. was, uh, he's so. like the human helper of Blade. See, I'm okay. like, there's a Blade 2? Yeah, There's right. Three blades. Come on. <laughs> oh we need God. to watch this. We need to get into the sequels. Yeah. Blade um, Trinity with Jessica Beale and Ryan Reynolds. What the fuck? Okay, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um there's also uh Sean Patrick Flannery, which you probably don't know much from him, but he was it looks like he kind of turned mostly to TV after this movie. So he did a lot of Dexter. He was on The Young and the Restless. Um, those were kind of the more notable things that he's done. Um, and then, of course, it brings us to probably the most recognized actor in this movie, Willem Dafoe, who you know from Spider-Man, the Grand Budapest Hotel, and so many other wonderful things with Willem making weird faces. I love how those are the two movies that you picked out of his long list. I know. Well, those are the ones that IMDb claims he's known for. Uh, really? But I remember him from Life Aquatic is like one of my favorite <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> roles of Willem Dafoe. If not Life Aquatic, I would say this film is one of my f- favorite roles of how Willem Dafoe. How did they get Willem this is Dafoe a good for Willem Dafoe. $7 million. That's a good question. I do well, not know the answer. It's a passion project. Well, 99, right? What if you look Yeah, 1999. 
so he probably unique. wasn't as He wasn't big. a thing in 1999? Well, let's, all right, let's, I mean, he let's was. Maybe. Also, I found I found the domestic gross, and it's worse than you can possibly imagine. They made thirty thousand dollars. <gasps> it's ten times worse. Ooh, <laughs> that's like one theater. <laughs> Is I it? know, yeah. No. Um, and then of course we have also the amazing Billy Conley, who you'll remember from Muppets Treasure Island, or he's also been in Brave, The Hobbit, and again. His list just goes on and on because he's amazing. I do not recognize him by name, but I'm sure I will. You will recognize his face. his face for sure. Or his voice. I feel like he's a very yeah. distinctive. Put this way, mm-hmm. anytime anyone has had a really strong, gruff Scottish. Irish accent or Scottish or Irish accent mm-hmm. in an animated film in the last 20 years, it's like it was him. It's Billy Connor. So yeah. he's probably in How to Train Your Dragon then. Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, so some other interesting facts about this film. Some of them I might leave. Has everyone seen this film? Maybe I should start there before we. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. I've seen it. Okay. So that I'm not spoiling anything by I mean, telling some stories. Sam probably doesn't remember too much of it. I remember okay. one part and I will never <laughs> forgive it. Oh, yes. The cat. I'm assuming you're afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so interesting is that Mark Wahlberg turned down one of the leads of this role to do Boogie Nights. Hmm. Um, and you and McGregor. That's that's Wahlberg and Boogie Nights? Yeah. Yeah, he's the main guy. Yeah. That's funny. I, I, he's like like his breakout role. If Nick was still on this podcast, he would be so mad at you right now. (laughs) Well, Well, we've we've only seen it. Silently projected on the in wall his, in the background yeah, of his party. So. I know. That is, anyway, that's a, that's a that's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ewan McGregor also passed on this film because he met with the director, and they got super drunk and disagreed on the death penalty. Got in a fight, and thus Ewan McGregor was like, "No thanks, pass." Who was um, on the side of righteousness? Probably Ewan. I McGregor. don't know. Probably, probably Ewan, Ewan yeah. McGregor. Hmm. Um, so, you know, one thing that always sticks in my mind about this film is the, the rule of thumb, because especially nowadays in our culture, we talk so much about, oh, well, don't use this phrase because it's actually from this and it's actually racist or whatever. And the rule of thumb is an interesting one that comes up in this film. Um, though I did, I have done a little research on it and there is no facts to support necessarily that there ever was that this was the the Wait. true but uh i just find it interesting that they that they this was one of the first films i've seen that was like picking out you know it's 1999 and they're talking about you know phrases and their me i don't know i, th- I thought it was kind of interesting we'll see yeah maybe I mean, i'm the only one are you going to tell us what the rule of thumb is from sure it's so, oh it's in the in movie, the movie it's at the yeah. Opening, yeah. I don't, okay. I don't know well, about, if we'll, you don't remember, we'll about it I don't want to spoil. Then. Yeah. So then there's remember. some stuff that, um, that I won't talk about till after. Um, but the, the word fuck and its derivatives are said 246 times in this film. So this is Fun definitely fact. appropriate for children. Is this, yeah. is, is this a movie that started the, uh, the, like the subgenre of like, it's a specific genre of movie it's like this and like 
uh, snatch and lock, stock, and two smoking barrels and imbrew. Well, they're and British. They're not Irish. It's the everyone wears black, angry swearing, the, the just grumpy, the gruff swearing, shaved head white mm-hmm. dudes movies. I wouldn't go as far as shaved head, but Colin Farrell's hair in Imbrugge is glorious. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Please don't make me watch that one. I um, love that. You've never seen it? I love no, that movie. I've seen it. I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> Oh, oh like it's it. so good. I really like is it? it? Because this I movie really... is on my list because they kill a cat. And then In Bruges is on my list because of the other thing that they kill. Wait, what'd they kill? A child! Oh. It's not a fun well, movie to watch. Yeah, but it's not like they did it joyously. <laughs> Nobody's like, oh, good, child death. That's yeah, the whole true. point is he's like he's suicidal over it. it. Yeah. Spoilers if you haven't seen In Bruges. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been long enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that brings us to the reasons why you probably never saw this movie in theaters. So number one, unfortunately, this film was due to release shortly after the Columbine shooting. And oh. so therefore, it had very limited release in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the the reasons. But the more interesting story is the story of how the director got blacklisted from Hollywood while making this film. And so basically, if if this is a story that you really want to dive more into, there's actually a whole documentary about it. It's called Overnight, and it was released in 2003, and it chronicles Duff's rise and fall. Um, and it's really, I haven't seen it, but I would really like to, if, if you guys are interested after this movie, it could be, I definitely recommend check out the trailer. Um, and it could be an interesting watch, but, uh, so basically to, to understand how Duff, Duffy got blacklisted, you have to hear his full story. So he moved to LA in pursuit of a music career with his band, The Brood, a real bro name there. Definitely chalking. Oh, he looks so. I'm looking him up right now. He looks. Oh, he's super bro for sure. (laughs) Super like Boston area bro. Yeah, just Mm -hmm, go mm -hmm. socks. Yeah, he was a bouncer from Boston. Um, Sweet. So one day he saw a dead hooker being rolled out of a drug dealer's apartment across the hallway from his, and was so disgusted with what he saw that he wrote the screenplay for Boondock Saints. Um. Uh-oh. If you can believe that story. Uh, he then pitched to Harvey Weinstein and Miramax Films. Oh, excellent who, choice. I know, right? Who bought the screenplay for 300000 mm-hmm. intending to shoot it with a budget of $15 million. Still pretty small for the time period. But apparently, and this is what the documentary really gets into, is during this time... Because he was considered this like rags to riches success story, the tabloids really picked up on it and he got instant fame uh, and he was like on the cover of magazines and being interviewed and all this stuff. And it apparently just became too much for him and he pretty much became an egomaniac before the film was even filmed and he really <laughs> let like the fame go to his head. There's like interesting clips in the trailer for the documentary of like Willem Dafoe being like, he needs to just stop talking. (laughs) He needs to stop talking to tabloids and just shut up. So I don't know exactly what happened in all of that, but he managed to become so much of a nightmare that he lost the deal with Miramax and Weinstein. (laughs) 
and so, and then apparently was blacklisted by Weinstein, but oh, he was still shit. able, yeah, he was able to strike a deal with William Morris Agency to make the film with an independent production company, Franchise Pictures, which financed the film for $7 million, which was less than half the original budget. So that's how, like, even the, the budget for this film just got slashed and slashed. Wow. Does anyone listening in the industry, if you want to buy a script I write for $300,000, <laughs> I promise you the worst thing I'll do is go way over my craft services budget because I like food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a promise. Um, if I get an extra $300,000 in my lifetime, Pat, I'll buy your script. Cool. I'm going to count on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Financially and for personally. Bu- yeah. You're counting Budgeting on. for next, for 2020. <laughs> De- definitely don't budget it in yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep in mind, you there's might, a little word extra. I don't extra. think you're learning the lesson I'm telling here. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the um, lesson, isn't it? Go big or go home. Because that's what I'm getting Yeah, from right. This. So it gets worse, unfortunately. So the film grossed $50 million domestic, which I said, uh, which apparently Duffy received none of because he signed a bad deal with the distribution company, which I know you're probably like, what an idiot. But unfortunately, after being blacklisted, he really had no choice. Hmm. So um, apparently no one on the film got paid, <laughs> not the cast, not the producers or Duffy. So he sued for royalties, merchandise, and sequel rights, which he then got, oh, and then the good. cast and crew received payment. So that's why it took, what, like almost a decade for the second one to come out? Well, I was going to say, if you didn't get paid for the first one, I was surprised he got them back for the second. <laughs> yeah, I know, so yeah. Did he, did he get the, the royalty rights before they made $50 million? Because I mean, it, no. it would still... It'd be off of probably the money that we're paying to rent the movie today. Yeah. Um, that's I mean, so I think it was weird back pay. that they didn't mm-hmm. even pay the actors. Because these aren't like little no-name actors. Like, they're smaller. I mean, Norman, but- most of the cast was, including Norman Reedus. I think the only cast that might have been semi-big name was Willem Dafoe and Billy Connolly. Yeah. I'd say yeah. Willem was actually a pretty big name at the time. I'd forgotten. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he had He's done Platoon. He's the biggest get, I think, for the film. Because this is he had done Platoon in the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, did you know for the longest time, I thought Norman Reedus was the same actor as the little kid from E.T., the main kid? Oh, really? Uh, huh. Yeah. <laughs> that kid he never just, did anything after E.T. He just developed an Irish accent later in life. Is that Dude. what you It's called acting, Ash. Yeah. That kid is so fucking good. He's a great yeah. actor in E.T. Like, Have you seen his like audition video? Like, no. Anyone who's listened crazy. to the most recent episode of the show, the podcast Scruffy Nerf Herders can probably tell. I'm not actually a British yeah. rookie. I, I was oh very God. confused, wow. Patrick. I thought yeah. you had a secret double life. Yeah. And that you were not actually from G-Town. That was a pretty fun episode. Yeah. 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 If you haven't checked it out, we guessed it on the Star Wars role playing podcast, Scruffy Nerd Herders. Nerd Nerf. Herders? Nerf. Nerf Herders? Nerf Herders. One of those things. It was fantastic. It, it was pretty fucking fun. And I shit you not, we finished the podcast and I made Brett take me out to the bar so that we could get beer and nachos. So it was all I fucking wanted. <laughs> but did after you recording. have blue cheese? Fuck on no. The Ew. Blue cheese nachos? Ugh. 
No, they no, do. not like blue cheese. Not B L B L U E. Like Bantha milk. No. Yeah, like Star Wars blue milk. I don't think that makes it less gross, actually, Patrick. Mm. I think uh, somehow it's worse. We're all going to get to find out uh, later this year when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens up at the various mm -hmm. Disney parks. Because they're going to have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, uh, how how do you guys all feel? I guess I'll start it off. I will say I am a huge fan of this film i think i love i gravitate towards films about the underdog being the hero so it's kind of like why i like like normal people being heroes like that's why i prefer out of the superheroes i like batman because he is a normal guy he doesn't he's have a millionaire super- <laughs> <laughs> he's not a normal right. person but he has a fucking butler and an in-house engineer but compared to fucking <laughs> superman he's a normal person True. like he's he doesn't have he doesn't superpowers have, okay superpowers um, are lacking and Technically, so, iron man doesn't either it's true yeah he's a normal guy as well mm-hmm. um so those are like the the hero superhero type characters i like so this film really um resonated with me However, I am going to put out there that I'm sure there's plenty of things that do not hold up in this film. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm guessing. Yeah, I can't think. I can't think of a lot of specific specifics about this. I've I've seen it several times, and I know there's like I'm I'm doing a gun finger guns motion. Uh, there's there's a couple of cool shots. That I remember specifically, mm-hmm. but yeah, not a lot of the plot is, has stuck around in my brain. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how it'll go because I I remember liking this movie a lot, and the last time I watched it, I think was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably with me. <laughs> it might have been with me. Yeah. Imagine I'm, I'm I'm picturing like high school age Ash Ash making Brett watch it. Like, you got to watch this. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> yeah, or something. You know, it was, we used to watch, like, all kinds of movies. Uh, I mean. And I, the thing I'm worried about is, is like, uh, uh, there's a few other movies that I used to like a lot that I haven't seen in a while that I'm, I feel like I'm pretty sure haven't aged the way that I would like. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I think this might be one of them. Uh where it's just like tough guy stuff happening on screen, so we'll 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 see. There's, I'm I'm hoping I like. <sighs> I feel like though Willem Dafoe's like everything with Willem Dafoe just like makes up for it though is what I remember. He know? is the best part of the movie he, for sure. He's got one of the best yeah. lines. He's got one of the best line deliveries of any movie ever. He's so Which good. Which one? Oh. Do it now or save it for the after? Save it for oh. after. Save it for after. Okay. I've, yeah, I'm like trying to boil down like a whole like decade of reading social stuff on the internet about like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if this movie has a toxic masculinity problem so much as just like <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. You're gonna laugh about that, but it probably does. That, but now that's, that you bring that's it up. again like Willem Dafoe. I feel like contrasts that in this movie. I don't know if you remember. I, I remember so very little. Yeah, but I think I'm a little worried about that. Like, it's. I'd wonder if this movie has the sort of vibe that like Fight Club has nowadays, where mm. uh, th- <laughs> the best thing I ever read about Fight Club is like 
people who like Fight Club don't get that it's a movie making fun of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I don't think this movie is going to be politically correct at all. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I remember liking it and I'm sure it's cool, but I, I look forward to discussing the uh, uh, social aspects of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mine's very similar. I loved this movie when I was in college and uh, unironically, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure I will still be um, entertained by it, but uh, just echoing it, you know, I'm, I'm also expecting some cringe at some parts. Just, Ooh, that yeah, <laughs> just stuff that just didn't age. Well, you know, that, that was, mm-hmm. you could get away with that. You know, now we know better and just isn't, isn't cool to say or do or, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, 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 really liked this movie. I had that prayer, they say, memorized at one point. Oh, <laughs> shit. Nice. Excellent. I don't think I could. I don't remember it now, but I, never, I remember I did. Something various Satis or something. Well, that's on the tattoos on their oh, hands. Yeah. But the so, prayer, so that, yeah. How many we'll times have that. you seen this movie? <laughs> I thought, like I said, it's one of those ones 245. That, <laughs> it, it wasn't uh, the rotation of the ones you just throw on, like in college, like mm-hmm. in the background all the time. So. But it, it wasn't one of the DVDs in your in your DVD it's list. Lo- it, that was one of the casualties of when my car got broken into in a bunch oh, of stuff. Oh, fucking So thieves, he watched man. it to death. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's been a very long time since I've seen it. It's been over a decade since I've seen it. But the time when I was watched it, I watched it many, many, many times. I I owned this movie on DVD twice because I bought the metal like uh, collector's edition as well. Yep. I remember nice. you and Brett being so fucking hype about this movie in <laughs> high really? school. Oh, man. Like, you guys thought it was the coolest thing. And so yeah. I was like, okay, like, cool. It's cool. I guess I'll watch it with Brett. And then I just remember being so utterly unimpressed with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember I remember specifically anything. that you were, like, angry. Yeah, yeah. You're like... They killed that cat. What the fuck? Why'd you make me watch that? No, I remember specifically. Yeah, I was like, why the fuck did you make me watch that? That's not fucking funny. <laughs> Animals dying is not funny. <laughs> but well, don't watch Polar. This, this is why we need to have a Sam reacts. Yeah. So YouTube Brett, channel. Yeah. I react very funnily to a lot of things. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't remember Willem Dafoe being in this. All oh I God, really remember. I watched this movie for remember the cat. I, I would argue he's working harder than anyone else on screen. Oh yeah. No doubt. I believe that, you know, for sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a blank slate, but also kind of not a blank slate because I still remember how angry I was at Brett for making me watch this. So. We'll see how I do. How I do. Yeah, you have to. You have to understand, dear listener and Patrick, people who didn't know me in high school, that in high school I was a little scruffy Irish punk kid with Doc Martens and ripped up jeans and a studded like belt, and I was yield punk hot slash topic. goth. Yeah, yield hot topic. Well, yeah. There was that, and then it sort of shifted into just punk. But, uh, 
which at the time was still Hot Topic. Maybe a little <laughs> bit of Spencer's. Yeah, what was in. that? What was that smoke shop that sold stuff? The, oh yeah, there was like the other place that wasn't Hot Topic, but like yes, that w- it was the local store yeah. in our town. Uh, I don't know. It was, um, it was right next door to Family Drug. Yes, it was. It it was really? a smoke shop. Yeah, that's where I got all my earplugs back when I had gauged oh. ears. I don't remember that. Thank God. Oh yeah, I definitely had gauged ears too. Ugh. Ah, uh, the nineties. <laughs> that wasn't the nineties anymore. That would be the aughts. The, the, the aughts. aughts. Yeah. Yes, it was. That's true. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. We all have versions, junior high, high school, college versions of ourselves that we just. Yeah, I am just so thankful. Think about. Me and my friends were too broke to have camera phones. Like, thank mm. God, because there would be photographic evidence. So there's a of, couple of good photos. Oh, there's a couple, but <laughs> very few. Yeah, there's some photos of metal, Sam. Some. With the, your long the, metal the hair. One, the one I where did. you showed up to, uh, was it? My 16th birthday party. Oh, was it your party? It was. Yeah. In a corset. Just Yeah, just wearing oh, a corset boy. out to, with That's red. Yeah. Talk about Hot Topic. <laughs> it was exactly, it was from Hot Topic. I only wore it that one day because even on my birthday, everyone ridiculed me enough and I looked good in it, just so you know. <laughs> as good as you could in a Hot Topic corset. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Well, should we watch this movie? I need another Guinness. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. All right. We're going to pause the show and go watch the movie and join us when we come back. A, a song is like too upbeat for what we just watched. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want to do like a techno, like a or I can I can just yell. There was a firefight. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, welcome back to welcome back. Let's rewatch. We're back from. The boondock saints. Yeah. Um, times have changed a lot. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if that movie was necessarily appropriate for the time that it was released in, but it's really inappropriate now. Yeah. I just want to go out on a limb and say this might be the most extreme example of any film we've watched not holding up as far as like it really social. might be for me uh, yeah. yeah um yeah. this film ain't woke <laughs> no i completely have 180'd on this film i feel really I feel bad vindicated that we watched it <laughs> but i didn't want to be such a fucking sour puss nancy before and i was like i don't want to watch this and i was like i need to give things a chance but it i think there's a reason why High school Sam blocked this from her memory. Sam was Sam was trying to hold it in till the end of the movie, <laughs> and then she like looked at me, and I was like, "Yeah, that was that wasn't great." And she's like, "Oh God, yeah, why?" <laughs> I am one hundred percent fully prepared to say, "Sam, you were right." <laughs> oh my God, this was. I just. Uh, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of other shit we can get into, but like. Yeah. For starters, just like in generalization, like this film really has mixed messages. Like, I mean, the- it has a very clear, very negative, very serious message that is a serious problem 
in society, not just in America, but across the country now, which is people feeling like they can use guns to do what they feel is right. And it's it's a problem. And it's absolutely killing and it, innocent people. And the it starts off, though, like it, with the, the thing I was going to say in the pre before we watch the movie is the story that the priest is saying in the beginning about the woman who was murdered uh, is 100 percent true. That woman, and he even gives her real name, was a real woman who was raped and murdered in broad daylight in front of several people who, you know, from their windows did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's called the bystander effect. It's an actual, mm -hmm. like— psychological thing and but the thing is the the thing is is this film starts out with that message about how this is wrong and um you know the treatment of this woman was horrible but then the film continues to treat women horribly yeah throughout the entire movie what what few women there are 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 all prostitutes like the meat packer in the beginning, the girlfriend with the cat, and then the the wife of the crazy murderer dude who like, you know, every step of the way or the the poor stripper who gets molested by yeah. them. Yeah. Mm. Like yep. every step of the way, women are horribly treated. And then on top of that, like this Rocco character is supposed to be a good guy. But the guys he's killing in the strip club, like, he's worse than the guys he's killing. He's part of the mafia. He's potentially tried to murder several people, including Willem Dafoe. And then, but but these people in the strip club have consent from the stripper. Like, she's okay with the situation. They're okay with the situation. But somehow they're bad guys and he's not? It, well, and it the was, strip club wasn't what made them the bad guys, but I'd get your point. Yeah, but no, Ash makes a point because yeah. they, they went there to kill one mobster. So the one guy that the two Irish brothers killed was on their list. And then the other guy was like, I want a taste for killing. No, and, no, the other two guys were also mobsters. But no, that was what Will no, Defoe they, said. No, they were just low-life street guys. Street-walking scum. Yeah. Is, to quote the Willem only Defoe. thing that made them scum was the fact that they were in a strip club. Even oh, okay. though well, they had I thought they made they the point that he recognized them. No, no, I wonder if maybe there's something that was cut because when Rocco is saying the like, other he guy wants says, to kill I've them, been waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they recognized them from like but the at neighborhood. This point, or... How can you determine who you know? Like, yeah. They're, Maybe they're, he's just a guy he's gotten into a bar fight with because the rhyme and reason they have for saying people are good or bad is completely personal. Yeah, it and it's it's something it's funny. Even when I was a full on like diehard fan of this movie mm-hmm. at like 18, 19, 20 years old, I still at that time remember feeling a little off about their relationship with Rocco. And it's yes. like mm-hmm. why does he get a pass? And exactly. even when they're talking about uh, they're joking when they're drinking and like eating pizza about him taking credit for killing all the Russian mobsters and and the one guy uh, makes a joke about like climbing the corporate ladder. So it's like you want him to advance in this criminal organization that you are systematically yeah. like murdering everyone in. I even remember even in like the height of when I was legitimately unironically a fan of this movie. That I always remember feeling off about that relationship. Like, wait, why is he okay? Why does he get mm-hmm. the pass? 
Exactly. Yeah. He's he's and he's kill like suddenly it's okay for him to kill these guys that he was working for. And like these guys who just sent him to go murder other people, so he was going to murder people. You know, like it just it like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. He murdered the bartender who just is a bartender at a mob bar. And yeah, like, yeah. Like, the, exactly. the bar killings were kind of ridiculous because they those guys didn't do anything wrong outside of like under threat of also being killed by the mob, not tell him that he was about to be killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You know what's funny though, is that I'll say though, it sucks that guy, I guess uh was it Troy was his first name, Duffy? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That he just kind of like screwed himself over so bad in the industry because I think he he knows how to put together a visually a good stylized movie. Yeah. I mean the opening, I love that opening music. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was one of two parts I still get kind of like some nostalgic chills. Was that opening the, that music that would definitely went in like the drinking playlist in college, mm. or especially for St. Patrick's Day and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and we'll talk about the other one that you know later on, but. Uh, well, like the shot with Willem Dafoe laying on the stripper's couch playing with the boa. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. a really fascinating shot. And it's really interesting because it it kind of plays up his fact that he's gay and that he's comfortable with femininity and still a badass character, which is actually a positive message. Like, you can be feminine and be a badass, and it's but okay. But they then, ruin exactly. it by making him a self-hating gay. Yes, exactly. Like, it's just... <sighs> yeah, it, it's... It is not woke, and it's... it's it, is, it is crazy, and I never realized it till now. The only the only two female women characters with names are Rocco's girlfriend and her friend, and they're in it for, like, you know, and they're also just... Other also just completely derided as basically less than human. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, they, he was mean to them for ba- and for no reason. They're slut shamed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, like it, it was just complete, like just so fucked up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, there are some good things in this movie that I do want to talk about, but I do feel like we just it's the the bad is so overwhelming. It, yeah, it, it's un it's unredeemable how bad it is like we had a tough time with um oh crap the the movie in the school heathers and Mm -hmm. this makes heathers look and feel like a kid's movie yeah (laughs) yeah i i would agree i mean this is the exact reason why like like religious visual antis are completely misguided and wrong because like if you are going to sit there and say that you're the authority of what is good and what is bad, that does not, you know, I feel like they're trying to show these characters as heroes, but they are no better than the evil people in this movie because they are just deciding who is good and is bad based on their experiences. And there's a big difference between being a bystander and not stepping in when someone is in trouble or being hurt or attacked by another Mm -hmm. and actively seeking out people to murder yeah, totally. I mean, they yeah. that this movie could have gone a completely different way if they had made right decisions, which is they had a pager from the Russian mob guy. They got the meeting space. They were literally in the FBI's mm-hmm. office. They could yeah. have turned in that information and it could have gone a very different route. 
But mm-hmm. instead, this movie chose to glorify white men taking guns, shooting people that they think are bad, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and there was definitely kind of a weird glorifying terrorism angle to take. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, and, and I don't, I didn't remember the, like, heavy religious overtones that... Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. of course I remember the beginning, but, like, there's the scene where they wake up and it's basically, like, supposed to be that they've had this religious, like, experience like in their dreams. With the, the and jail with water. the ba- Yeah, the baptism with the jail water. And it's, mm-hmm. like, literally saying that God gave them permission to do what they did. And that's so dangerous and fucked yeah. up. It, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. You I know mean, what's it, interesting about some of the messages in this movie is uh, there, is, there were a couple of things I liked. Uh, the the scene in the church where uh, Rocco uh, holds the priest at gunpoint was like mm-hmm. such a good like kind of a dunk on you know anybody who was thinking watching this thinking like oh man these guys are awesome for killing everyone because the whole scene was just like we're gonna convince Willem Dafoe that God thinks that killing these people is right by literally holding a priest at gunpoint. <laughs> like wow, it's yeah. the obviously wrong thing that Willem takes away from this is, yeah, it's just forced upon them. I, I feel like that was a, a like a brilliant moment of self-awareness for the plot for what was otherwise kind of a gross movie. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't get that it was self-aware. It felt like, yeah, I don't think it was like they thought it was cool. And I was like, <sighs> No, like I think he thought it was funny. I think yeah. they. Th- I think the director writer thought it was a funny oh, yeah. way to write about it. And I think the self consciousness of the scene is just when he's like, except for the Italian guy, he's an idiot. But yeah, I think he was trying to make them look good. And that's probably probably the right take on it is because that whole if you look, line that up with the uh interviews over the credits um mm-hmm. and it's you know you watch that and that's very much the whole uh the the right wing like kind of weird news cycle thing where it, they're basically making the statement that even talking about this is pointless, you know, and it's just like, no, that's, that's, it's bullshit. Like everybody should be talking about, about it. Uh, but the, the way that it's portrayed in the, over the credits is like, everybody has an opinion and like, who knows? Like, I mean, they tried to do, they tried to, the big problem there is that they tried to make the connection between these guys shooting up places and superheroes. That is a very or, bad... Or saints and or angels, saints. which yeah. are the words that they use. Yeah, and, and those are very dangerous things to compare people with guns to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, these are not, you know, like, police. You know, They're not there to protect innocent people. They are there to shoot and kill people, which is a problem to be glorifying that. And and the whole message and overtone of the film is very much on the side of that they are heroes, mm-hmm. which is a problem. 
And it's so interesting watching this after only just recently watching Black Klansman, which does the news cycle thing and makes the complete opposite statement at yeah. the end of the film yeah. and does a fantastic job at it. So it's it's just it, – yeah, it's so – I feel like it's the most extreme example of not this time and era – anymore <laughs> that we've ever had on the show. I, f- I feel like this is definitely one that it definitely, I remember ex- I watched it a bunch. It, I did not remember it feeling that so just toxic with mm-hmm. it. I just remember it was a violent crime movie yeah. about them killing bad guys. Um, and that was totally kind of my memory of it too. It, yeah, totally. Does this, does this have a spot on like the Mount Rushmore for toxic bro culture? Of like oh, yeah. media that's influenced that our generation, mm-hmm. like the, the people mm-hmm. that are in that mode. It's like this and Fight Club, and I'm trying to think what else. I mean that that ending sequence uh, in was, the uh, in the courthouse is yeah. like. I mean, so we're talking. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I, I you were, I think you were going a different direction with it, but I was. But if you you brought it up, so so though, it's really weird how you can just be like sort of internally conflicted. Because on the surface, I'm like, th- th- this is not okay. This is wildly problematic. But I still, for some, and I, and I think it it actually is a credit to the filmmakers. The way that I was all done, I still felt kind of like chills with the scene, the drama of the scene, and the way it was shot. Like looking up at the brothers when they're standing on the desks and they're mm-hmm. giving this like very poetic speech. It's a poetic speech about you know being basically serial killers. Um, but yeah, it's also really fucked up, but the way it was like done is it's good. It was like, it was filmed well for impact for sure. I mean, the cinematography is done incredibly well. I will say for sure. I I feel like the horrifying thing about that scene is, you know, I mean, watching it back then, it was just like, you know, oh, this is like a crazy like oh they're coming for you final scene but like you know i mean the timing of this movie choice uh is definitely uh i don't want to say poor but like you know we, we're today is like days after the new zealand incident and they have the the shooters in that literally did the end they filmed their attack yeah for the yeah. purposes of spreading th- that fear in people mm-hmm. and like it's now you know it's it's one of those things where like it's 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 less horrifying to watch when it wasn't a real thing that had happened yeah and forever that that end scene is like a nightmare now yeah and it's it's a similar thing that happened after 9-11 where in movies you could see buildings explode and like people reacting to that and it was fantasy and then suddenly it happened for real and tonally and culturally we shifted our media exposure because that was no longer fantasy that hit too close to home and it was too real and that was exactly what i think we all kind of felt watching that scene it felt Mm -hmm. too real it didn't feel like a movie these people that are reacting to being in front of three active shooters are real people today well and like did you guys hear about that uh the news channel thing in australia it it, people are taking stands against like actually showing 
any of this stuff because the, just the imagery is dangerous, you know. Yeah. The uh, the story was the. Uh, fucking Rupert Murdoch news company was like, we're going to show the footage on TV. And so the TV channel was just like, fuck you, and just turned off the news and stopped and just took them off the channel. Wow. Wow. And just like, at least there are a couple people out there trying to take a stand, but like... yeah, Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't know why it's such a tough thing uh, for people to take a stand on. Um, It's, yeah... It's a, <laughs> and I think this movie perfectly like. I'm glad that you brought up the New Zealand thing because it, I just couldn't watch this and not think that how are they any different? They're not. You know, they're not. They're religious vigilantes that have a very strong belief about who is good and who is bad, and that is the danger of anyone from any religion thinking that they can make that decision. And you like, you look at this film and there's people who are innocent people, like the people in the strip club who, mm-hmm. you know, didn't do anything wrong that are murdered in this film. And there's people who, you know, like they, they clearly are bending the rules for their friend. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they should, according well, to their rules, do, he should have died. Do according have to their a, rules, their dad should die because yeah. he's he's the worst, the absolute do, worst. Do they have a strong idea? Because basically, remember, they're just uh, two times with a strip club and that the guy's poker game at his house. Rocco's just like, yeah, these people are terrible. We should kill them. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm sold. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the line was like they, they walk in and they wait, and Rocco just says all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, <sighs> um, and, and it's why like, are yeah, you those, believing this they guy? all work, quote unquote, for the mob, but maybe one of them was like a mob accountant. Yeah, or one of <laughs> one of them was an undercover FBI agent. Like, yeah, and again, Rocco also works for the mob. He just delivers packages, but he's still. So it's like, where do you yeah. draw that he line? He was the chauffeur for if... the murderer guy and did nothing. Exactly. About that. Yeah. Like, yeah. how is he any less guilty? He was involved in that killing. You know, I think like, you you were actually pretty spot on though with your uh, estimation of the film being. Uh, shot that way in, in 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 that he the the director just thought it was cool yeah and it, yeah <laughs> that right off the bat the first couple scenes like it's very clear that the director thinks that death is cool and funny like mm-hmm. they're like I know I'm vegetarian so this could just be that aspect of me but like in a meat factory like they're hitting each other in the face with like severed animal body parts like that's really morbid yeah, that's like, like psychotic behavior like yeah you slap like, me with the dead animals it, and like that's it's not a pillow fight like that's very morbid and that like definitely continues through the film mm-hmm. and the first thing they do is uh i, w- I don't know sexual harass it wasn't sexual harassment but they definitely harassed that lady and then she mm-hmm. kicked him and then they punched her and it's like man this is not they're not starting off in a good light here either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. she started yeah. off as a really great character, like a really powerful woman that is not scared to stand out and call out uh unconscious bias, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's And that's what I said about the the rule like it's interesting. It's portrayed the wrong way in this movie, but it's interesting to see it in this movie. Yeah, and like had they not 
I don't know. Had they not turned that scene violent, it would have mm-hmm. been more impactful, I think. Well, and I don't know if you catch what he says to her, but what he says to her is fucking terrible, where he's like, rule of thumb, you can't do much damage with that. It should have been the rule of of wrist. Oh, I totally missed that. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I was just like, what? Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. So, like, right right at the beginning, it's like, okay, I guess these are the main characters we're supposed to be rooting for. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never felt so like, I mean, I thought Crocodile Dundee was bad and I've never felt so just like passionately angry about a film. And, and I remember, I mean, I remember watching this movie and seeing that ending sequence with the interviews and, you know, feeling more aligned with the people that are like, they're killing bad people. So that's okay. And now I feel so so much in the opposite of like, absolutely not. You know, I was aligning with the people who are like, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? Like, I can't yeah. believe you're saying that you feel that way. Yeah. It's, I share that sentiment. I definitely probably, you know, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago was on the, um, it's like, yeah, they're bad people. So whatever. But now it's like, well, no, that's way more nuanced to it than that. And, mm-hmm. It Which is funny because o- it should they, never be okay for anyone to just in, just kill another person. It shouldn't just yeah. not be okay. Like it's not okay. It's not like <laughs> there's no like yeah, but no. It's like no. It's just not mm-hmm. murder bad. Yeah, it's, and that's it's pretty the, straightforward. That's the thing about our justice system. Like it's not perfect, and it doesn't always work. But a key factor is that whether you're guilty or you're innocent, you're a bad person or a good person. You go through this system because this mm-hmm. system is meant to be unbiased. You know, we're not in the time of kings and rulers anymore. We're you can just be like off with your head. I think you're bad. Yeah, like and that they, system is archaic. And they put those two dudes in there in the courtroom scene that were like supposed to be, you know, like like oh he's gonna get off and like. Those are just two dudes hanging out in the fucking courtroom. Like yeah. that's you know I know I get like it's supposed to be your commentary, but like yeah. no, they're in court. They have they have the guy in court, and if you know anything about bringing powerful people into the court systems, that shit doesn't just happen on a whim. Like if he's there, it's because they're gonna fucking bury him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, too, they didn't like they didn't set up an alternate universe where the justice system was not working. You know, like the reason why Batman works is because he's in a fictional universe where there is no law. There is no justice. The system is bought by the criminals and the criminals are making the laws. It's not, it's still not right, but like that's how they get those stories to work at least a little bit better without being this sort of terrorist mindset. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say that our justice system is perfect. I wouldn't say that criminals don't get off because they have a lot of money and they have the strong lawyers to do so. I think that happens every day. So I, I well, think, I don't think you know. Yeah, it's not saying she's perfect. It was built. I, I the bones of it were essentially yeah. built to not be, but it, obviously it gets gamed left and right every day. Mm-hmm. There's probably countless, countless documentaries and podcasts show showing how people exploit you know use money or power influence to exploit it yeah but uh 
Serial season three. Yeah, yeah. it's man, it's very conflicting. Serial season three is hard to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is just uh, it's it's rough because yeah, this is definitely was one at one point. If you asked me, there's definitely a maybe like a six month period of my life where I'm like, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies, and it's like, oh man, there's a lot of issues there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm right and, there and, with you, Pat. I'm feeling. Yeah. I'm feeling really like bummed to watch this on St. Patrick's Day because there's <laughs> yeah. a whole other subset of like like we shouldn't be associating terrorism and and guns on St. Patrick's Day either because that's an Irish stereotype with you know the the problems that they've had in their country for years and years yeah. and but is it, that seems super on brand for this movie is just stereotyping every single yeah. fucking thing yeah mm-hmm. i mean also it it's it's not hitting very well now now because of current events but at the time that this came out wasn't there a lot of civil unrest between northern and Ireland, oh, yeah. the republic of Absolutely. ireland so how insensitive to the actual problem in Ireland was this movie at the time that it came out. I think this was out like a little bit after that had settled down, but like it was, it was just a couple of years late. But also, like I said in the beginning, the reason why this movie didn't get wide theater distribution is because it came out shortly after Columbine. Like it got boycotted. Yeah, I said in the beginning, like it, it didn't get as wide of a theater release because of the Columbine event and because of the context of this film, you know, yeah. even you at can, the time they were like, no, we shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't distribute this. That's interesting because John Wick is definitely coming out like next week or the week after. And that's essentially kind of the same plot <laughs> uh, and there's shootings all the time. It's a weird how society changes where like, oh no, there was like, I mean, Columbine was like the first big school shooting thing. And it's like, yeah, respond. Nobody wants to see guns right now. And like, mm-hmm. are we just, are we jaded now where like this movie, it was super weird because it was glorifying terrorism, but like. John Wick is the same thing. They shot his dog, and he's well, like, "I'm just gonna go kill everyone." Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is, but I, I think, think it goes to show again though. that nuance and the way you portray yeah. things mm-hmm. and the way you deliver it. Because I was gonna say, we're talking about it. I'm not coming in here, and I'm very conscious of it with things like I write or do. Where it, I'm not saying that it should be like gun violence should be wiped out from all media that is consumed, yeah. like books or movies or anything. It's just you need to just be really, really, really conscious of how you're presenting it. Yeah. And in mm-hmm. what context and in what light. And it's like funny you mentioned John the Wick. video game, right? I, I don't feel like, like those movies, those movies are like super rad to look at visually and, and they're very action. They're very, very violent. But at the same time, it doesn't, for some reason, it, it doesn't strike the same chord with me as this did of this is literally like a, like, look how cool these average people are who decided to just pick up guns and start pe- killing people they thought are bad. How cool would that be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and there's a very different to that right. is, I don't know, with John Wick, it's more because he's the, he's a professional and he's in this world and everyone who's doing it is has chosen to be in that world. And they're coming and he's after also him. Not, like deciding, well, this person's bad, so I'm, ki-, you know, like it's not. Yeah, he's it's, not deciding the fate of random people. Yeah, he's on a personal vendetta versus yeah. these people are on a religious vigilante. Yeah, and mass he's also per se, he, like yeah, he's know. also not holding himself out like some holier than thou like hero that's like doing 
justice or like righteous kills. Or calling like, himself a saint. Man, yeah. that's that's no. such an on point fucking criticism. Like yeah. that the 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 world has become such a judgy fucking place that like watching people judge other people on film it hurts. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's 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 fucking spot on. Like John Wick isn't about judgment; it's about vengeance, which is yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, yeah. I've never seen John Wick, but I just get the feeling that it's definitely less realistic of a movie and of oh, a plot. Oh, it's super, yeah, yeah. Like this, but you should never watch it, Sam. Knowing what I know about you, I, I would have a real hard, really <laughs> hard time. Also, it. you know, um, like based on Sam's rules. John's the good guy because he's defending, you know, he's after the people who kill the dog as opposed oh, to this film, you. the people who kill the cat. Wait, wait, wait. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it. if your animal dies, you should go and become a murderer. Please don't put those words in my mouth. But no, like th- this movie from the beginning is hyper realistic. You know, there's no yeah. sort of, um, I don't know, like exaggeration of archetypes or of the story it's a very only stereotypes real story Mm. (laughs) yeah it's a very real story in a very real relatable world which i think adds to the problem you know Mm -hmm. there isn't that degree of separation that you would get with watching another movie you know like Mm. a, a marvel movie you know like i don't have superpowers this is fantasy this makes it hyper hyper realistic and easy for somebody who has strong views to look at this, relate to those characters and think that it's a good idea to try and take the law into their own hands. And that's what scares me. There's a way, there's a way, not that it's ever again, like murder, you know, I'm anti killing people in general. Like, and that, I say that it's, like it's weird. Like it's weird to be like what what a bold statement for me to make. Like how brave of me. <laughs> um, but I'm saying there's a way to do even this movie where it's like if you worked a little harder on your story and you put a little more work into it of establishing like to Sam's point, put more work into establishing like maybe some of these people are um you show them like getting off on charges, you know, gaming the system yeah. and stuff. Or they're in the act of about to uh, hurt somebody. Yeah. And then yeah. the heroes take them out there. But this has just been like, that's a bad guy? Yeah, he's a bad guy. All right, good. We're going to like set him up. We're just going to yeah. come and we're going to kill him and then yeah. call it a day. Yeah, totally. they didn't they even have... say, I feel strangely uh, comfortable with this. That's what I'm I was going to quote too. Comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a creepy really way to say bad. it. So there's a way to do it. It just requires more work yeah. from a storytelling standpoint. Totally. And. To your point, too, like, if they had taken that information to the FBI and the FBI didn't listen to them, Mm -hmm. like, that would be motivation to take it into their own hands. Not that that makes it right, but that at least gives a little more It would have at least been story motivation. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, the only motivation, like, we, we've we never seen these guys with guns until they decide that they're going to go do this. And the yeah. only motivation is that apparently they've had some religious, like, events, mm-hmm. you know, and they've, yeah. he, they wake up from this religious dream. <laughs> yeah, they kill, they kill two guys and get a taste for blood and then decide yeah. to become serial That's killers. That's literally what it is, yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I feel like we have the negative out. Well, you know, we have the social negative out. Let's the, talk the about social. <laughs> okay, 
Let's talk about There's the movie. There's also, <laughs> just because we need to mention it, horrible racist joke. Awful. Moving on. Yeah. Anyway. Also, I don't I don't know how I feel about that racist joke. It's obviously bad, but it's almost, it almost felt in the vein of Black Klansmen of like, oh no, like those are... <laughs> Those are the villains that we're dealing with today. Like these racist mm-hmm. people. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I mean, the joke was bad, but like the commentary was good. Yeah. And and also like it wasn't great. But at the same time, the character knew that the N word that he was saying was wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he, he shouldn't was, like, be saying struggling. it. But he yeah. had to because literally he was going to be murdered. But then he had no problem with the racial slur on Mexican people. Yeah. Or Spanish people. Hey, it's a different <laughs> like, it's a different time. Ugh. Yeah. It's just it I mean, is. It's, yeah. insen- it's insensitive. I mean, I wouldn't say that that joke is any worse than any of the jokes that um what's his face from Pulp Fiction makes. Mm. Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had that chat before. Yeah, we about- have his word usage (laughs) oh yeah any any one word in particular that you think there's a problem with him he's a white dude that feels very comfortable in yeah i mean quick sidebar the whole fact is it's one thing if it's like i'm just playing a character and and i'm yeah i'm a white person i have to say this awful word and that's what the script calls for it's like yeah but you fucking wrote the script yeah (laughs) you wrote yourself as this white character who uses this word liberally Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's so that's in where I feel like you're you're, you're okay to kind of like raise your eyebrow his way yeah. and be like mm. if if you're not making a point about how using that word is wrong and you write it yeah. into your script then you are a person that does not think using that word is wrong yeah. like you know that's mm-hmm. kind of the, what it boils down to anyway sidebar sorry let's talk about the all right so we have i feel like we have sufficiently laid out disclaimer of we feel that there are wildly socially problematic issues with this movie now let's talk about this movie as a piece of cinema the the listeners now know terrorism bad yeah Yeah. can i start off with my favorite quote and my two favorite quotes and then i want to hear the one that you said Willem Dafoe's best quote, Patrick. That's how we open. I have. I, I just oh, it was squeaked. the firefight. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the the idea of a serial crusher is hilarious to me. <laughs> and then the the namiology line is so good. Yes, and that look that he smiles the and then look, just like frowns yeah. immediately. Oh. Oh, so great. Fuck you, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> he man, he was. Everyone was just beneath him in this. He was just oh, acting yeah. his face off, and everyone else is just... He's amazing. And, you know, like, like there, there's some bad filmmaking going on in this, but there's also some really good filmmaking. Like, his whole recap, when we're seeing him, like, in the mm-hmm. shots with them as they're going through the steps of what happened, and then they, like, freeze at certain points, and he keeps talking, like, that was honestly so brilliantly done from a filmmaking perspective it was really great i really liked Mm -hmm. that part i felt a little guilty enjoying that scene that is what this movie brings to the table is like i feel like that was a really unique storytelling point that a lot of shit co-opted afterwards is like Mm -hmm. the uh Mm -hmm. the csi in review kind of thing yeah like every time 
for me, this movie is all about those recaps because those are the best parts. Like even when he just puts on the opera and he's like doing his like dancing thing while he's collecting evidence, like it's so great. His character is just so powerful and strong. Well, and as he becomes more and more unhinged because he's, it's obviously, it's somebody who is used to walking in being so smart and so good at what he does. Just mm-hmm. being like, ABC, here's what happened. Here's who did it. He's Go like get him. Yeah, but this is actually something he can't figure out. And mm-hmm. it's literally driving him insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much better and different would this movie have been if the one and only main character was Willem Dafoe? And mm-hmm. it was more of like a murder mystery yes csi type movie where he's hunting down this people these people we don't know really who they are and we're from the perspective of the fbi we don't we meet them the first time when they come turn themselves in Mm. at the police station yeah and like we don't know it's them and we're just following this fbi agent and trying to Mm. figure out who these terrorists are that he's tracking down like that would be the modern way to tell this story and honestly it would hold up nowadays i mean not only does it hold up but uh but have you all seen you uh, all seen true detective yes i saw the first two seasons i've not seen this new one okay yeah so i i I feel like this is the first one i was talking about not only does that hold up it happened in true detective like that was Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. except he didn't become evil at the end and and align with the murders. True. Yep. Yeah. You know. Excellent point. No, but like the uh, the tangential, like you know, who done it, sort of mm-hmm. like meetups and split ups and later ons. It all. It, it's it's definitely a modern storytelling technique that would have been way better than the movie we watched. Yeah. <laughs> and even if he did like become, you know, evil inside with these people he was following because like Patrick said, he, it's just driven him mad because it's the first time he hasn't been able to figure it out. Like that's still an interesting story. Uh, seeing this character like slowly corrupt over time, you know, just like breaking bad is an interesting story of seeing Walter White go from a good character to a bad character. I was that that would actually, yeah. Be, so like we're following him. He's trying to solve this case. We meet these two characters early in the movie who he like kind of solves what happened to them, and the in the movie the uh, ostensibly the the primary point of this this scene is to introduce our main character, the FBI agent, mm-hmm. and he meets these two people. And as far as you know, the viewer, that's the last you're going to see of them. Mm, and they're yeah. and you think they're just there. This whole scenario is just there to establish him as this uber um, like crime solver, right? Yeah. And then he, these other sh- fight, these other shootings happen. He gets more and more unhinged. It's more following him, and then it, you could have more, less campy, less hokey, like his struggle when he figures out he who it is. Go. Yeah, and then he meets mm-hmm. up with them, maybe. And it's and it's more than just a throwaway thirty second scene with him on a payphone. It's yeah. like a couple interactions with them, or maybe he like threatens. He like they have like a showdown, pointing guns at each other. He's like, I got to bring you in. They're like, we'll do you, and then. Then maybe they have a meeting, and that's way that's um, way more interesting. And then the final yeah. act is him helping them, but it, it and then need- you leave it really ambiguous, ambiguous where it's like, yeah. is he still a good guy? Yeah, anymore because mm-hmm. because it's they're more ambiguous the the vigilantes from that perspective because this is literally just a, a, a two hour glory of how how cool how fucking cool 
Yeah. yeah. Are these two bro? And these two that's guys. That's exactly like, what the cool director said is in the um in one, when I was doing the research, like I found this article where there's a quote from him in it where he straight up says like people watching the news sometimes get so disgusted by what they see. You hear things that disgust you so much that even if you're Mother Teresa, there comes a breaking point. One day you're going to watch the news and you're going to ask, whoever did that despicable thing should pay with their life. Like that's that's what he, he wanted to make it look cool. And, and he says, uh, I wanted to give everybody that sick fantasy. Yeah. So and tell, Troy Duffy wants tell to kill people, truthfully right? Truthfully, as they can. Yeah, like, I know, right? Like, like Troy Duffy, the person wants to kill people, right? I like, think so. I, I mean, that is literally you're taking those words from his mouth. Hash, yeah. Hashtag Troy um, Duffy wants to kill. Yeah. So, so <laughs> listeners, if you witness anything bad happening, like if you're you see your neighbor rolling the body of a dead prostitute out their door, uh, there's this thing you can do where you can call, you can drive down to the police station. Can we just? Insert like claps for Sam there. Like, Just the sound effects. <laughs> yeah, there's a clap back Sam. like call the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm watching this movie that you were describing in my head, and uh, while I like the flip, I'm just thinking like if I watched a crime movie where Willem Dafoe was trying to solve a crime and he met. <clears throat> Two bloodied Irishmen who freely admitted to killing two mobsters, and then for the next week, dozens of mobsters are killed, and he right. doesn't ever go back to question them. <laughs> well, I was thinking that even during this film, I was like, how there's other murders of mobsters. Why has he not brought them into question? Who else, who else do I know that likes to kill, kill Russian mobsters? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh no, and I, I also don't believe for a second that Willem Dafoe's character didn't speak all those different languages that they were speaking at the time. Like, I think he was completely understanding what they were saying in that interrogation room. Interesting. I would guess that he didn't speak Gaelic, though. Filmmaking things. I thought it was <laughs> funny that there's some good gags, right? There's a few good gags. I, the we were talking about the bystander effect. And they open with that line. And then I thought it was really interesting. And like, I don't know, after all of our conversation, I can't believe that they were, he, he was self-aware enough to write it intentionally this way. But they did end with a scene of the bystander effect where oh, these dudes bust yeah. into the fucking court and no one does anything to stop them. Well, mm-hmm. and Willem Dafoe's character is the bystander too, like standing yeah. there watching. Well, yeah. it helps them. He yeah. actively helps them. Can you imagine how fucking wild that news story would be if they reported like a top level mob boss was assassinated in a courtroom and by a couple thugs and they were assisted by an FBI agent and like a couple local detectives of the city? Yeah. Well, I was thinking too, like you brought up the news, like it's interesting how at the end you know, the new cycle is like calling them saints and whatever. And I was just like, that is not what the new cycle would call these people today. I mean, there, they were white. No... Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, wasn't I mean, the New Zealand guy white? Yes. Nobody's calling him oh, a saint. Oh, holy shit. They absolutely are. Uh, 
but I will not. I will not. Uh, there was not. a there was a side by side news article th- uh, thing that I saw yesterday, and oh, it was no. it was one of those like comparing comparing a you know it was the um, the Muslim dude that shot up the Pulse nightclub, uh, oh. and it was just like crazy Islamic terrorist nightclub attack. And then the, for the New Zealand one, it was uh, like angelic boy becomes murderer. Yeah, like, like, like literally called him an angel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's like wow. the, the well, star athlete and 100% a student, allegedly a rapist. It's like, mm. no, he's a fucking rapist and you better call yeah. that duck a duck. It's not yeah, anything new, else. Like I, I, I the, that's the one most fucked up news cycle thing is white people get such an amazing amount of credit. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, unearned. It is it is that it, I don't think it's really that subconscious but the subconscious bias, you know? I will Absolutely. I will I will if I can find it I'll I'll tweet that thing at you. It's just it's That's shocking because they're both I mean, from the same it. magazine. I fully believe it. Really? The yeah. same magazine? Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I sorry. I was, as I was going to say, there are some good gags in this movie. <laughs> it's hard to get away from like was, the, the social is. stuff. Yeah, it is. I uh, uh, I mean, the stuff I've taken from this, I do like would say uh, like in t- and most people don't get it. I I think I got it from this though, where I'll intentionally like mix up metaphors on purpose. Oh yeah 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 yes. Um, that was pretty Because, like, the bartender does it, but I would, like, do it Make, literally like, on purpose. Make, like, a tree and leave or whatever. Wait, yeah, no, like, I, I do as a joke. Like, sometimes I've literally said, and people didn't get, they thought I was, like, I've said, uh, make sure we, like, dot all the T's and cross all the I's. As a joke, oh. like, because mm-hmm. it's about being being very detailed. It's about being very detailed, but right. just growing yeah. up there. People don't get it, but I also often will say like, "Let's make like a tree and get the fuck out of here." <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, is that my is where that saying comes from? My favorite is uh, the one how the Greenlee agent is like consistently always wrong, and then the last time he's like right. Like, what if it's a guy with six guns? Like that is that's yes, a really yeah. good gag. That's good. Yeah, that was uh, the only one that really got me. <laughs> that was, that was so good. I love the, uh, the other thing that I've always loved uh, about this movie is the idea that they're like poking fun of, of movies, you know, previous movie scenes, and then they still do it. So he, he, the whole thing with the rope, like you and your fucking rope, and then th- it actually like comes in handy and saves them. Yes. And then Willem Dafoe's like, this is like bad television. They went through the air ducts and they even yeah. comment on it. Before they hop in the air duck about like, oh, just like in TV, like they're yeah. doing everything that they see in TV. Like it's kind of a brilliant gag. Um, it just makes me feel so guilty giving any credit to this film at this point. <laughs> I, I I feel like calling out your bad writing isn't necessarily <laughs> like a good thing. But it was it was funny just to, to see that they called it out for sure. Well, I feel like they did it as a joke, like to be funny, and it, I think it did play as funny. There's, but there's tons of other things that don't play as funny in this film. But uh, another thing that I thought was really interesting is how they do a very realistic cauterization cotter, scene. Well, is it, isn't that like a myth that you should do that? I thought I remember reading something not too long ago that that's you should absolutely never like 
amateurly cauterize a wound. Yeah, because you're just because burning. It like rockets your chance for infection and thing like through the fucking roof. Like I'm sure you're. I'm, I'm sure you're right. I just the thing I like about it is that I feel like you see that scene so much nowadays in movies and TV where the people are just like, oh, I'm going to be badass. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and they don't even react. Like we were just talking about Pat and I, while we were waiting for you guys, we were talking about the Umbrella Academy. And there's a scene in the Umbrella Academy where somebody's cauterizing them. It doesn't even flinch. It's not even a big deal. And I do like in this scene that it's, it's super realistic at how painful and extreme those circumstances yeah. would be. I mean, as opposed to nowadays, you see people like sewing up wounds and not yeah. even, it's not even a problem, you know? I mean, you all have gotten a paper cut, right? And then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you like yeah. squeeze a lemon into your iced tea and you're like, son of a fucking cocksucker bitch! Like, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. I usually get a paper cut and then light a cigar and put the cigar out on my finger. Mm. Oh. Yep, that's one way to get rid of it. That's that's a pretty badass way <laughs> to go about no. things. God, Patrick. no. <laughs> Guys, I need another Guinness. I'm depressed. I fucking yeah, know, I man. know. I just slammed I feel, two. So, yeah, that was one <laughs> contributing factor why we were a little late because we had to walk to Trader Joe's and get some Guinness. Yeah, sorry for that for that delay, but I was like, it is... <laughs> I respect the decision. I feel like this was a bummer to watch on St. Patrick's Day for various reasons. And then it's also a bummer to watch now for like current event reasons. And it's just... This movie is just a bummer. bummer. This was one of those those episodes that sounded so much better in in group text theory. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I used to love that movie. It's that, that crazy action movie. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Oh yeah, because there's like they're Irish. We should watch it on St. Patrick's Day, and then we're all. I just mean, like, it's St. Patrick's Day in the movie too. Yeah, I've, I'm gonna title I, I, I this wish, episode like maybe just skip our... this. You know what other movie <laughs> takes place on St. Patrick's Day? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. God damn it! Oh, God damn it, Sam! Why didn't you suggest it before? Because I didn't Wait, does it know. Really? Yes, Wait, it's in the fucking parade. No, Did we already do that. Mo- oh. No, we haven't done it because it's too good. But now we've oh, well. given Nick the boot Brett, so we do you can break listen- those rules. <laughs> just Brett, kidding, do you want to listen back to this and decide that this should be a lost episode? I, I was already planning on putting a, uh, a like a yeah, content yeah. warning in the oh, title. Oh, thank you. Like, yeah. Boondock Saints, content warning terrorism. Con- <laughs> like, content warning, this is This is a depressing episode. Yeah. <laughs> so should we, do, should we do final thoughts? Final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Brett, you want to start us off? Oh, man. Uh, guys, I really liked this movie. No, fuck off. This movie sucked. Um, Maybe a little distasteful of a joke there. <laughs> no, this was, I mean, uh, the thing that I don't, maybe we brought it up and I was just like too spacing out uh, thinking about how too bad this movie was. in your own horror from this uh, film. But was this movie, did this movie feel like it was so fucking long? Like we looked, we looked yeah. and it was like, is this over yet? No, it's got f- 40 minutes left. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Because while, while I acknowledge that the the CSI, you know, mind palace fucking whatever thing they were doing was cool uh, and a good storytelling technique, they did it like five times. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was kind of a one note wonder. Good goddamn, that was too many times. Like, we get it. You're doing the crime thing. Solve the crime after two. Like, 
because <laughs> there were like six yeah. murders in the middle that was just like if those if you just cut out an hour out of the middle of the movie it would have had exactly the same impact like mm. nothing that happened after the first uh you know rope from the ceiling thing and before the final house thing if you just cut out all of that th- it would have been the same movie mm. mm-hmm. um like they didn't change no, they didn't change, yeah. and no one they killed had anything to do with the plot. And there was no plot, no, like outside of yeah. Them. That was that was the problem. There was a, there was a strong hook at the beginning, like these dudes, uh, you know, survived a mob hit and decided to get revenge. And then there was a, I hate to call it Religious strong, experience. but a, a cinematic ending. Uh, and in the middle, there was just a whole bunch of killing that didn't have much to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so honestly, it. The, honestly, it sucked. And uh, <laughs> like from about 10 minutes in, I think both Sam and I were just like, oh, oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. no. <laughs> I thought about texting you guys. I was like, I feel very uncomfortable right now. Uh, text from Ash is like, uh, we- Pull the ripcord, pull the ripcord, bail, bail, bail out, bail out. (laughs) For the listeners, we seriously considered just fucking scrapping this episode because the movie was so fucking awful and all of us were on board initially and I think I might be the person who was like, let's do it. Uh, So I hope you all don't hate this particular episode. Um, Hopefully we talk about something. But none of us walked away from this thinking, oh, this movie is great. Like, I, I think I really stand by my initial statement when we came back after watching that, that I think, I think this is, this is the most extreme example we have ever seen on the show. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of why this show is maybe important because yeah. maybe we do need to go back and reevaluate the media that, you know, we grew up on and the messages and the poor and bad racist or sexist or violent messages that it gave us because maybe that's the root of this problem. And again, I'm not saying like Patrick said that we need to rid all media of guns, but maybe we need to go back and reconsider how we're presenting these sort of things. On that note, like overall watching this movie was a, for me, a negative experience, but if I'm looking to take some positivity out of it, It shows that not only me personally, but as a society, we have grown, which is a Mm -hmm. positive thing. Um, The fact that we no longer find this story acceptable shows that we are more open to other people's feelings. We are more open to what we should be consuming as media and what sorts of values are okay and not okay. So -hmm. the fact that this story is no longer okay signifies a cultural growth, which ultimately is a positive thing. So, I mean, maybe it's a good thing that we went back and rewatched this because, like, dear God, I never want to utter the words, I love the Boondock Saints again. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I'm how so about you, glad. Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what'd you think, Patrick? Yeah, I'm, I think, Ashton, you are very much in the, we're, in, we're just, we're riding down the river, the green river in the same boat today. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is definitely, there was a time, this is one of my favorite movies. Um and it's been a long while since I've seen it, and it just does not. I was like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no, <laughs> so many times throughout. Um, 
it's yeah i i had a point oh i even had a joke i was gonna make and it just didn't even feel right about the second one because i've never seen the second one but <laughs> i can only imagine what that entails it, it I have seen good. the second one. It's it's not. Do much they better. double down on on the or is it just kind of the same? I honestly don't remember much because yeah, it's just kind of the same. But yeah, yeah. It's I just think it's really interesting that there are three of us here that absolutely love this movie at one point in time, and like it definitely makes me want to reevaluate the. Uh, not just like the content that I've seen, but like, you know, because all of us are content creators here. And Mm -hmm. like what kind of shit from the past still affects our content creation choices, I think is really important too. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not, maybe not this movie specifically, but like, you know, stuff like this where, where, you know, you, you, uh, yeah, come up with a, a a story beat that is like rem- reminiscent of the Boondock Saints, and then it's just like, oh, but like, no, actually, now that's trash, and I really don't want to reference that at all. You know, yeah, like it's just definitely kind of uh, more than more than anything else we've watched on this podcast, an eye opener as far as mm-hmm. what has stuck with me in the past. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. like how I should really fucking, I guess just rewatch every piece of media I've ever watched and. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is maybe maybe it's important to go back and reevaluate all of those things that have influenced you, whether it's be whether it's movie, a piece of media, whether it's a book, or whether it's your your you know faith that that you feel or your political views. Like maybe it's a good time. To go back and reevaluate, you know, those things in the context that we have today. Yeah. Also, it it forces us to do a really important thing, which is question ourselves. The mm-hmm. only way that you grow as a person, the only way that you get better is to question things that you believe or question things that you like and evaluate them and decide if you still agree with your past self or maybe you've changed and admitting that you are wrong in the past is a really powerful and positive thing that you can do. So yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. Thinking that these things were cool at one point is okay because we were all different people, but more importantly, like looking back on them and realizing that they aren't good or they're not values that you hold anymore. And speaking out about that is really important. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I feel like looking back on this now and Who being needs a like, drink? I am so yeah. pumped about Boondock Saints is actually would be the bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just 24 hours ago. <laughs> So happy St. Patrick's Day. I was Uh, feeling so bad about like not wanting to watch Boondock Saints yesterday. (laughs) The text chain, I was like really wanting to be like, I don't want to watch that movie. It's terrible. But I was like, like trying to open my I turned to Bryce after and I was like, I wish we had watched a superhero movie. I was so wrong. (laughs) I know. I tried Uh, to put that little bait with the hook in there. I was like, Captain Marvel, A, A, A. And nobody took it. I was like, okay. (laughs) 
Ash Arrested Development's it. She just turns and is like, I've made a terrible mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we 100% wrap up, uh, I do feel it's important to put it out there. If you are feeling like you want to do something about uh, New Zealand and you want to help those in need, uh, our previous guest, Sam, uh, from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs, uh, sent me a link, givealittle.co.nz slash cause slash Christchurch dash shooting dash victims dash fund. We need a short And that is, that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I will. We put oh, it in the show notes? Uh, yeah, well, we can put it in the show notes. But that is the main fund for victims who are affected by this horrible mass shooting. And um, having... The community support, mm-hmm. uh, I think, has a greater positive impact than any of us would know. Yeah. So please, if you feel the need to do anything, you can go there. Also, a lot of times these people will post about their intents on Facebook and social media. Um, in the New Zealand case, that did happen. If you are on social media and you see somebody posts something threatening, do not feel bad about taking that seriously and reporting it. You never know who you might save by reporting those things. And if somebody posts a threat and did not intend to follow through, uh, that is not something that should be encouraged. It is definitely something that should be taken seriously. So, yeah. I mean, if that's one message from this movie that is positive was don't just be a bystander, even though they, you know, like do report to the police. Counts in the digital world, too. Yeah. Don't hurt people, y'all, yourself or others. Yeah. Um, Especially not on Patrick's Day. No. Patrick's Day is for beer and love. Call me, reach out, we'll get a beer. So y'all want to turn around and watch Ferris Bueller? (laughs) 